Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Elevate. We're excited to be in the house of God. Woo! It's Sunday, my favorite day of the week. I'm super excited because I believe that what God is about to release in this place is going to be transformational. Anybody want some transformation? I don't want to just come in and have a glorified experience. I want to have an encounter. See, in an experience, you can come and interact, but leave out the same. No one has ever had an encounter with Christ and left the same way. So we're looking forward to encounters today. Before we get started, can we honor God for our pastors, Pastors Jeff and Jess? We honor you in your absence. We love you and appreciate you. I honor my bride, my helpmeet, my good thing. And I'm excited because I literally feel like something is about to break. I don't know if you've been tapped into the spiritual climate, but God is shifting some things. It's so much going on in the spiritual climate today, so much going on, so much on the news. But this is a space where God is about to pour out a new dispensation of grace for us to accomplish what the church is designed to accomplish in this season. All right, so let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you. We honor you for life, health, and strength. Thank you for this opportunity to come into your house to hear from you. God, I get completely out of your way. Do what you want to do. Holy Spirit, speak through me and allow your people to be edified. God, we thank you for an opportunity to bring everything that we've been carrying to lay it at your feet because we know that you care. Thank you, God, for your care for us and for your incredible faithfulness. We honor you that you've been faithful to us in every season and that your care for us prompted us to not wake up under a bridge this morning, that we woke up with clothes to put on our back and shoes for our feet. Thank you, God, for vehicles to drive in, and even if our situation may not be how we want it, we thank you, God, that your incredible faithfulness has kept us in every season. Now, God, we open our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, sweep the room. Do what you desire to do, and we bless you, and we honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. Amen, amen. Can we make some noise for the praise and worship team? I told Megan I almost dove on the stage. The worship was so good. So I'm excited. I'm excited. You know, every time I wake up, I'm very now aware. I'm at the age where I'm consistently aware of the frailty of life. I feel older when I wake up. And we're in a space where time is moving again at lightning speed. It feels like I just blinked a couple times ago, and it was 1999, and the world was about to end. Y'all remember Y2K? Everybody was at the grocery store buying up all the toilet tissue and all the water because the world was going to end, right? Quick question. Why in crisis do we buy all the toilet tissue and water, believe all of the canned goods on the shelf? We may be able to use the bathroom, but we're not going to have nothing to eat, but I digress. But it seems like I blinked and time moved. But one thing that has been a constant thing throughout time, no matter what generation, what age, is people have desired to know how to get more out of life, how to experience life on a higher playing field, how to get the most out of this thing we call life. Can anybody in the room say I could stand a little more, a little bit more peace, a little bit more joy, a little bit more happiness, a little bit more money? A little bit more opportunity. 
And this isn't a new fad. I know everybody's teaching it nowadays. But even uh, philosophers like Seneca, the Stoic playwright and philosopher, he urged people to understand the non-renewability of our most precious resource, which is our time. Socrates once stated that an unexamined life is not worth living. What is he saying? He said we have to be intentional about our time because that's where our power is. And no matter where you are in life, everybody has an opportunity to get more. Let me tell you a quick story about a young lady named Rose. One day, uh, it was the start of a new college semester, and the professor came in and said, hey, everybody get up and introduce yourself to somebody that you don't know. And this young man stood up, and he turned around, and there was this young lady, her eyes bright. She was smiling at him, and she said, hi, handsome. My name is Rose, and I'm 87 years old. Can I give you a hug? Now, I don't know about you, but I never resist a hug from an elderly person. It's just something that makes you feel good. So he got up and he hugged her, and, and over the course of this semester, Rose got campus notoriety, so much so they asked her to speak at the football banquet. And she stood up, and the first thing she said is, we don't stop playing because we get old. We get old because we stop playing. And she told people there's four reasons or four things, four keys to living happy and healthy and always achieving success. She said, one, you got to find humor in everything every day. Two, never stop dreaming. When you stop dreaming, you start dying. Three, you got to be in a place where you're always able to see opportunity and change. And four, have no regrets. What is the theme of her message here? Is we have to be intentional about how we use our time because how we use it will determine what we are able to get from it, right? So my goal today is to help us to tap into a space, give you practical tools of how you can access a space called more. More in your life, more in your marriage, more in your, in your mental and emotional stability. I am ready to impart something that's gonna help you to obtain more. But not just from a personal significance, but from a kingdom significance. See, a personal significance leaves your mark on the earth. A kingdom significance leaves your mark in heaven. And I'm going to be honest, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be talking about cars and houses and land and property. We're going to be talking about impact and what we did with the time and the talents that God trusted with us. So if you're looking at more, I want you to look at it like an acronym. And if you're writing it down, I want you to write it down vertically. Even your mental Rolodex, write it down. M-O-R-E. So I'm going to give you tools on how to access more. Now, if we're looking at M, the first letter, the first thing in order to tap into a space called more is maturity. It's maturity. Is that at some point in our life, we have to make the choice to grow and develop in our perspective. Because we will never be able to obtain what we are not mature enough to handle. Nobody in this room would give the keys to your car to your 10-year-old child. Have a ball. You want some candy? Here you go. Go get it. You would never in your life say, hey, I'm going to give you these keys. Have at it. Because I would be a bad parent. Because you're not ready for it. And the worst thing God can do is give you something that you're not ready for. So this is how we have to be in a place where we're maturing, where we're developing in our perspective. When we look at the scripture, Hebrews 5 and 12, 
It says this, but you have been believers for so long. You ought to be teaching others. But it seems like someone needs to teach you the basic things of God's word. You're at a space where you, you, it looks like that you still need milk instead of solid food. Now, what is the author saying here? It's talking about your perspective because at some point in our life, we got to move out of the fluidity of being molded by our surroundings to the substance of what we're standing on, our foundation. See, milk is a fluid, and you can take a fluid and pour it in anything, a cup, a bottle, a bowl, and it, it takes the shape of whatever you pour it in. And a lot of people are walking around very much fluid. Our perspective is impressionable. We're taking ideas from here, and we're, and we're taking perspective from here. And, oh, they said this on the news. Oh, they said this on the Internet. Oh, they're doing this on social media. And our perspective is being impressionable. But he's saying, we got to get to a place where we are standing on solid footing. And in our perspective, we stand on truth and what we believe. So when we're in this place where we have a developing perspective, because if you're just starting out with Christ, it's an opportunity to grow. And if you've been in Christ for 20 years, guess what? It's still an opportunity to grow. But when we're in a developing space and our perspective needs developing, we ask questions like, why me? Have you ever asked that question? I'll be honest, I have. God, why me? Why did I have to experience this? Why did this happen have to happen to me? Why do I have to be laid in this hospital bed? Why did I have to lose my loved one? God, why me? Because it's a natural perspective as a human who's wrapped in flesh to have a tendency to be focused on how things directly impact you. That's how we're wired as humans. You don't have to teach a baby selfishness. A child can walk up to you, climb up on your lap, take the glasses off of your face and say, mine. Excuse me, little sir, little ma'am. Those are not yours. I actually played a good deal for those. But you don't have to teach that. You have to develop out of it. So we've been in, pla in places and spaces where we're saying, God, why me? Why did this happen? Or we ask questions like, when is it my time? Whew. You ever ask that one? God, I've been here for a long time. We've been praying and believing. I've been hoping. I've been speaking. I've been in my word. I've been doing everything I know. And we've been here for a long time. I am still, honestly, waiting on things that God told me 20 years ago. And what God uses as an instrument of development is the same thing that the enemy used as an instrument of despair, time. Because the longer you sit there, what will happen? The enemy comes and You've been here for a while, haven't you? How long are you going to keep praying about that? Well, I mean, if God was going to do it, wouldn't he have done it by now? I mean, come on, you've been hoping, you've been praying, you've been giving. What has that gotten you? And when you sit in that space, you get to the point where you're saying, okay, but God gives us the instrument of time for our development. But we got to mature in our perspective. Because when our perspective is development, we also ask questions like, here's a real one. How did you let them get away with what they did to me? Oh. Now, I'm not talking about when we're in church. I'm talking about in your private time, when it's you and God. Even the things that you won't even utter out of your mouth, but the disposition of your heart. How 
how you let them get away with it? Because when people hurt you, have you ever noticed when someone hurts you or have done wrong by you, when you look at them, it seems like they're enjoying their life to the max. They're living, they're loving, they're laughing. And you know that they've done you wrong. And something tries to grip your heart to say, how, God? How? But as we're developing in our perspective and we mature, we start to make the transition off of being uh, impressed upon by our circumstance to standing on foundational truth. Because once our perspective develops, we stop asking questions like, why me? And we start asking questions like, what do I need to learn here? What is this for? Because my perspective has developed enough to understand that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. So for me, in everything in my life has to work together for my good, not because I'm perfect, but because I love him and I'm called. How do I know I'm called? He, he exemplified that when he told Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you. I knew you and called you. And if you don't know it, everyone in this room has a calling. So he's saying, now, because you know that you're called and you know that it works together from your, for your good, then your perspective should develop to know that if I'm in this tough spot, there's a reason for it. That if I'm here, there's a purpose. So instead of me trying to figure out, God, why me? I need to be figuring out what's the reason for this. What needs to be developed and cultivated in me? What do I need to learn here? Because a lot of source of cycles and cyclical trauma is because we won't stop and learn lessons. So what happens? We'll have something to happen. We'll try to move on, but then we'll have to come back until we learn it. And I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you felt seasoned. It's like this feels similar. And I feel like I've been here before, and it's the same thing. I've been, there is something I need to learn here. So we got to start asking questions like, God, oh, what do I need to learn here? Instead of asking questions like, when is it my time? We start asking questions like, what do I need to do to prepare for when it's my time? What can I be working on? Because the worst thing God can do is give it to me before I'm ready for it. Because if he answers your right now prayer and we are not ready right now, what he gives you right now that was supposed to be a blessing now turns into a curse because it's too heavy and we're not ready. And then we take it and we step into it and then we, it breaks and we lose it and then what happens? We go back to God. And that's when bitterness creeps in. Well, why did I, why'd you let me have it? You were asking me for it. I tried to give you time to prepare. So we got to figure out what do I need to do to prepare for what I'm praying for so that I can sustain what he gives me. And then the last question, instead of saying, God, how you let them get away with that? You start asking questions like, God, how can I bring you glory in this? How? See, this is when we grow a little bit. When my perspective shifts from how it affects me to God, how can I bring you glory in this valley? Because the truth is, a lot of people think that I'm going to get to the mountaintop and that's where I'm going to give God glory from. 
when I reach a place of success, that's when I'm going to say, look what the Lord has done. And God told me some years ago, that's not where I get my glory. I get my glory in the valley. I get my glory in the dark times. I get my, gl my glory in the lonely times. I get my glory in the spaces where you have justifiable reason to not do and you do anyway. That's where God gets glory when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he has a justifiable reason to say, okay, enough. I'm done with this. 3,000 angels, I need you to come on down. Wipe everybody out. I'm over it. He has a justifiable reason. Why? Because I'm paying the price for a crime I did not commit. But instead, I stand there and I hang and I say, Father, forgive them. What happens there? That's where God gets glory. Because it, it is a significant response to hell to let them know that despite what I'm facing, my focus is going to be the kingdom. So this is how we mature in our perspective. How do I bring you glory? Because here's the truth. We want to know God in the power of his resurrection, but we don't want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. The, I look at the disciples. I look at the apostles. I look at people who suffered for Christ's name and how excited they were to suffer for his name. Because that means I am standing in alignment in connection, in fellowship with Jesus. Because we look at the cross. Now, we look at Christ's cross, and God, thank you for the cross. But we look at ours through the perspective of this laborious task, this weight, and, oh, I'm just, I got to carry my cross. Oh, you, how you doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm carrying my cross. And we look at this as this task that is so uh, uh, laborious, and it's one of those things that nobody wants to do. When people start saying, pick up your cross, oh, man, I got to pick up a cross. Come on, can I just live and be happy? Not knowing that the cross is proof positive that God trusts you. Shh. That the cross is positive that God trusts you. He wasn't sitting up in heaven and just said, you know what? I just feel like crushing you, Jesus. I just, I just feel like breaking you for no reason. No, he realized you're the only one that can go down and redeem humanity back to reconciliation. So I trust you with this. And once I look at my perspective and my situation with this cross that I'm carrying is that this is God saying, I trust you, I start carrying it a little different. I start carrying it with pride. And I start realizing to suffer for his name, to suffer for Christ's name, is a privilege in my life. To be able to struggle for his behalf and bring him glory in my valley. This is when our maturity, this is how we grow in our perspective, right? Now, we also look in scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, says this. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought, I reasoned as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Maturity is not also just your perspective, but it is inclusive of knowing what to put away and when. If I came out today to minister the word of God with this pacifier in my mouth, now some of you automatically would have hopped up and said, nope, I'm out of here. 
I'm not about to watch a man, a grown man, stand up and try to preach the word with a pacifier in his mouth. Not going to do it. Some might would have pulled out their cameras and I would have went viral on social media for all the wrong reasons. Some might would have said, you know what, let's get together, Pastor Will. It's obviously got to be dealing with something. Let's pray, church. Let's pray. And then some of us might just say, okay, now I just got to see. It's got to be a reason. You got to pacifier. I, I got to see what he's going to do with this. But whatever the reason would have been, I would have been out of place. Why? Because I'm too old for this. And maturity in my perspective is knowing when I need to put things away that I'm too old for. Because, see, as I grow, I realize that there are certain things that can no longer comfort me. Because, see, a baby goes to this for comfort. A baby can be crying, you put it in their mouth, and all of a sudden they soothe. All of a sudden they calm down. And as you grow, you realize that there are certain things that I can't turn to for comfort anymore. I'm too old for this. Notice the scripture didn't say, when I became a man, I stopped liking it. He said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Can I tell you, a, a, a part of maturity is going to be putting away the things, some of the things that you like, some of the things that you value, some of the things that you hold dear. Because I can't turn to everything for comfort. I can't turn to this drink for comfort. I can't turn to picking up this, this, to smoke this for comfort. When I get older, I realize I can't turn to this website for comfort. I can't turn to this corrupt communication because I'm too old for this. And there's a point in time where I realize that there are certain things that I'm just going to have to make the choice to put away. Now, maturity is also <clears throat> knowing what is inappropriate when. There is nothing wrong with me playing basketball. Nothing wrong with basketball in general. But up here, it's out of place. And maturity is growing to know and realizing what is appropriate when. And although there is nothing wrong with playing basketball, what I am doing currently right now, it's inappropriate. And maturity is realizing that the things that may not necessarily be wrong or the things that may not necessarily be a sin may not be appropriate for me. Because for what God is calling for me, I can't be up here dribbling the basketball. This now becomes a distraction. And I got to go to the point where I realize, okay, not just knowing what to put away, but what is appropriate for me? How do I get to the place where I realize that, yeah, it's nothing wrong with this, but something in my heart just doesn't feel right when I do it. Yeah, the conversation may not be, you know, sinful, <clears throat> but there's something that just doesn't connect with me when I hear certain conversations. How do I get to the place where I realize that everything may not be appropriate for me? What may be lawful may not be expedient. This is how we grow of knowing what to put away when. But we got to be in a place where we are willing to mature. 
right? So that's M, maturity. Next one, okay? Before we go here, everybody take a deep breath. Let it out. O is obedience. Woo. People clam up when we hear this one. Because when we hear obedience, it translates to control. Oh, you just want me to follow the rules. I can't have fun. Why can't I do this? I just want to have fun. Anybody that has a teenager or a child, you've heard them at some point say, why won't you just, I just want to have fun. I'm trying to save your life. Relax. But we get to the point where we're like, okay, it's just so many rules. I hear people all the time. It's so many rules in Christianity. It's so many rules. Can I tell you that obedience is not about following rules, but it's about following directions? It's not about rules. It's about can you follow direction? Because if you can follow direction, guess what I will give you? More directives. This is how we improve our relationship. Can I hear you say no? And I say, okay. Can I obey at the surface level? Because our behavioral directions are surface level obedience. God talking to you about what not to do, what not to say, that's surface level. And if we can't get past the surface level and receive direction, then we'll risk crashing and not being able to take off fully into our purpose. Let me show you this video real quick. Play that video for me. Now, what we see here first is obviously somebody who loves their job, right? Who says, I don't care what I'm out here doing, I'm going to give my all to it, and we're going to have a good time. But do you know the purpose of the wing walkers? Is to relay direction back to the person who's pushing the plane. Their sole purpose is to tell the person who cannot see where they are, you got enough space, come this way. Hey, hey, okay, no, 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 stop. Okay, now move this way. It's like being in a car and, you're, and someone gets out to guide you back into a space. Okay, come back a little bit. Come back. Okay, okay, okay. If we are not able to hear direction, our probability of crashing is high. So when we obey at the surface level, which is behavior, then what that shows God is I can be trusted with more direction. So now I come past the surface level of behavior, and now when God says, don't do that, and I say, okay, then he says, huh, okay. Now because you obeyed there, come here a little closer. Tomorrow when you get up, I know you normally get your coffee at this spot. I need you to go to this location. Why, God? Doesn't make sense, but I'll obey. Because God knows that when you get here to get your coffee, when you turn around, you're going to bump into an executive 
who has the power to invest and put you in a position that you need to succeed with the business that you've been waiting to start. So then now what happens? It leads to a meeting right before you go into the meeting because you obeyed there. Hey, hey, when you go in there, say this phrase. Oh, my God, that doesn't make sense, but I'll obey. You go into a meeting, you say that exact phrase. The executive says, wait, wait, why'd you say that? That's interesting that you would say that because this morning I told God, I said, you know what, God, I'm tired of wasting money. I'm tired of investing in people who, who don't pan out. So if you could, if, you know, if you decide to, it would be good if you would give me a sign. And I'll just say the sign how I might know that this is the person I need to invest in is if they say this exact phrase. What happens? When I obey, I come past behavioral direction, and now I get purpose direction. So now he can lead me to the places that he's designed for me, and I'm not still stuck on, don't do that. It's levels to our obedience. But this is how we mature. Let's look at 1 Samuel. Because there's a story in here about King Saul who had an opportunity to obey and decided to do otherwise. Now, a little back history. Saul is anointed king because Israel wanted a king. A part of his first commands as king, God said, listen, I'm going to put you in position. But when I call for you, I need you to go and destroy all the Amalekites because of what they did to my people. Everything. Don't leave anything, none of their oxen, none of their sheep, everything. Saul says, okay, I will. He goes over there. They start destroying, but then he said, oh, wait. Them sheep look kind of good, though. Uh, I could probably use a couple of those oxen. You know, and you know what? Matter of fact, I'm going to keep the king alive because it'll look good for me to have another king sitting in my kingdom under me. It'll make me, it'll make me feel like, like I'm the big guy on campus. And he goes and he holds a few things for himself. So then Samuel comes to greet him because God woke him up and said, I am sorry that I made him king. He goes to meet Saul. Saul comes out, hey, Sammy Sam, I did what God told me to do. And the prophet Samuel said, then why do I hear sheep? Oh, 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 see what happened was I, I was just going to keep some of those as a sacrifice to God. I, I, I was going to hold on to some of these so I can make a sacrifice because I know that God honors sacrifice. This is where we pick up and he says, but Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice. Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. If you're going to experience more in life, we got to be able to tap into complete obedience and not partials. Because that space of partial is where a lot of people dwell. I kind of did it. You told me to cut them off. I kind of cut them off. I don't talk to them as much. Because sometimes it's not in what you get rid of, but what you keep that can have the kingdom snatched from you. So I got to be willing to be completely obedient so that way I do exactly what God told me to do. It's like if you send your child up to clean your room. And you ask him, he says, is your room clean? Yeah, it's clean. 
Now, nine times out of 10, it's not clean. They think, okay, because I made the bed, I threw some stuff in the closet, it's clean. But the truth is, you go up as a parent and you say, your clean and my clean are two different cleans. Ooh, that'll preach. That's a whole nother sermon. Your clean and my clean, two different things. Because I come in here, you got cups on your nightstand, you got clothes on the floor, but your bed is made. Complete obedience. That's where we'll see the release. Moving on, R, relationship. Can I tell you something? That you were created from and for relationship. That it is the intent of God for you to be in relationship with him and in the relationship with others. How can I say that? But the first commandment, to love the Lord your God, all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second is likened to itself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's look at John. John 15, 4 through 5, it says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Can I tell you that success without God is a setup in disguise? It's an illusion. Because you may be able to produce fruit, but you may not be able to be fruitful. The more you connect, the more you produce. And not just with God, but with people. Let me tell you why it's important to have a relationship with God and with people. Because your relationship with God is never going to be a source where God is going to woo-woo-woo you, rub your back, and show you a level of empathy. I can prove it to you. His father died. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. We got work to do. And sometimes we go to God like, God, don't you understand? Like the disciples in the boat. Don't you care we're about to drown? Jesus wakes up, calms the storm, and he didn't say, you know I love you. Yes, I care for you. You are my, my beloved disciple. What did he say? Oh, ye of little faith. Why? Because God talks to us from the future. And his insider knowledge limits his ability to coddle you. Holy Spirit will comfort you, but will not coddle you. If you are struggling with finances, and someone came up to me and showed me a check with your name on it that had a large, exorbitant amount of money, and they said, I am going to give this to them tomorrow. I'm excited. I'm going to give it to them. Showed it to me. Put it away, said, but don't tell them anything. Cool. If you came up to talk to me about finances, my empathy would be a lot less. Why? Because I know what's coming tomorrow. So when you come talking to me, man, I'm just broke in my money. My conversation is, I understand, but keep walking by faith. Keep believing, keep pushing, keep pressing. But, but I, I just, you don't understand. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I get it, but keep pushing, keep pressing. You got to believe. 
But God has given us people who are moving through time from the same vantage point to put their arms around you and give you that source of empathy. But all of those internalizers, can I talk to you real quick? It is not a symbol of strength because you can hold it all in. You are eroding internally. And it is affecting the things that you have been assigned to. How can I say that? Because I was the president of the IAW, the Internalizers Association of the World. I kept it all in because I'm strong. I could take it. And I didn't realize how it was bleeding out in my interactions. So God is like, take this relationship because I'm going to talk to you from the future. I'm standing in your promise. So when you come talk to me about your problem, I'm going to tell you, be strong and courageous. We ain't going to say, God, I don't understand. Walk by faith and not by sight. And it's not a level of insensitivity. It's because I'm standing in your promise. I know what you're about to step into, and I know how close you are. So I can't be a woo-woo-woo, rub your back. That's what you got people for. So you got to have a level of relationship. And what's the last thing? Is that you have to have a level of endurance. 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 Can I put something to rest? If, if some of us may be thinking, the Bible says that those that name the name of Christ shall suffer persecution. It is inevitable. We are going to face trials and tests and turmoil. It's a part of the process. It's a part of us getting to the place where I understand that it's the things that I go through that develop me for what I need to be ready for. When we look at the scripture, Romans 5 and 3 says this, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Let me tell you something. I don't know what you may have come in here with, and you may have been in a place where you say, it's been a long time, God. You may be in a place where you say, God, I just, I feel like I can't take anymore. But my goal is to ignite something in you that sparks a level of endurance to understand that this hope will not disappoint. I don't care what it is or how long it's been. When you are enduring things, there are two things you need to keep in mind. The equal sign and the finish line. What do I mean by that? Oftentimes, our perspective is on the plus sign. Okay, God, I just came out of that, and then you added something else. Have you ever been in that space where you feel like if it's not one thing, it's another? God, I just came, I can't even catch my breath. Here comes another trial. Okay, I just tried to rebound, and here comes something else. And we can focus on the plus. Okay, this happened, and then this happened, and this happened. When I got to get to the place where I realize what the sum total of all the stuff that I'm going through is producing. Because, yes, I may have had loss after loss, lack after lack, pain plus more pain plus more pain plus more pain. However, I know that this hope will not disappoint. And the sum total of this will equal to the place, 1 Peter 5 and 10, it says, after you have suffered a while, may the God of all grace, 
perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That is your finish line. To know that whatever you are facing, it is not over until God has perfected the things that concern you, until he establishes the plans that he promised you, until he gives you the strength to sustain what he called you to, and he settles some things on your behalf. Can I tell you something? That you don't have to settle your offenses. God's got that. I don't have to go back and settle that. He's going to settle that on my behalf. If I stay focused and endure, if I'm mature enough to know that if I obey, I can get the directives that will lead me to a, a deeper level of relationship. As I endure, I see more about who I am and who I am to God. I see more about who God is. And as I am enduring, I know that this will not disappoint. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. So whatever it is that you have been enduring, I promise you, this hope will not disappoint. This promise has to come to pass. This thing that God promised you must manifest because he can't lie. It's not in his capability to. Even if he said something that was outside of what he originally said, that instantly becomes truth because he can't lie. And as we endure, knowing that this is producing something for me that I'm going to need later, that these tears are going to produce perspective that I'm going to need later. That this betrayal is going to produce a strength that I'm going to need later. That the thing that happened to me that wasn't my fault is going to produce something that I'm going to need later. And that all things are working together for my good. Once I understand that, I realize I don't have problems. I have employees. This works for me. There's no business owner that walks into his office and trembles at the sight of his employees. Why? Because you own the company. If you know that this is working for you, then I can stand flat-footed and look at betrayal and say, okay, yeah, it hurt. But what I do know is what God promised. I can stand flat-footed when lack comes and say that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. When I'm sick, I realize I can stand flat-footed and say that he was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. The price for my peace was upon him, and by his stripes I am healed. This is how we grow to experience more out of life, to shift our perspective, to know that God never wastes anything. I don't know who needs to hear that today. God never wastes anything. Everyone standing. And I don't, I just, I feel that I need to pray against the spirit of offense that tries to grip our hearts to be able to connect with the freedom that God wants to bring us into. 
that this place called more is going to require us to release what we're holding on to. And I know it might have hurt. And what happens is hurt sticks with us for a long time. Even some of the hurts that, that is generational. That grips your heart. And it makes it hard to endure. It makes it hard to be able to look past, God, how'd you let that happen? God, why? God, it makes it hard to look past that offense tries to cloud your perspective so that we don't have an ability to see fully what God wants to do in your life. But today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm believing that perspective will be wiped just as Elisha prayed for his servant, that your eyes would be open and that you would see that God is using all of it for your good. With your eyes closed, heads bowed. Dearly Father, I thank you for your people. Holy Spirit, I pray that those who are caring, who have been afflicted and inflicted, those who have experienced incredible betrayal, those who have been carrying around trauma and hurt that's been too heavy for them. God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would intervene and allow the grip that offense has on their hearts and minds to be broken. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would infiltrate right now and heal those broken pieces, help their perspective to be restored, to let them know that you have not forgotten them and you have not changed your mind about their future. God has not changed his mind about your future. I pray right now by the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would infiltrate the cracks and the crevices where, where resentment and bitterness and hurt and anger and frustration and confusion lies, and that you would breathe into that space, that you would breathe new life and understanding and knowing that it may have caught us by surprise, but it never catches you by surprise, that you plan for this, uh, that even in the midst of the things that we come up against, that you have planned for this, and you don't waste anything. So now, Holy Spirit, intervene and begin to heal and restore and to put back what the enemy tried to destroy. And that this year is the, is the spark that pushes them into a place to experience more out of life, out of love, out of their purpose, out of their relationship with you, that our focus and understanding will be more of you. We thank you and we call it done in the mighty name of Jesus, the Christ we do pray. Amen. Amen.